For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Joining us now is the lead Broncos writer for Mile High Sports, Cody Rourke. Cody Rourke NFL is the uh, Twitter handle. And Cody, I, I would imagine over the last couple of days, you need a couple of uh, Sean Payton's lattes to keep going. So I really appreciate uh, the time today, knowing that it has been a grind over the last couple of days. Thanks for joining us. I guess, first off, uh, what have you viewed from this process under Sean Payton as opposed to last year under Nathaniel Hackett? Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's kind of tough to say. I mean, I'd say really the most evident thing is that, you know, there's a variety of veteran guys and some guys that were here last year, but there's a lot of new faces. There's a lot of new players in the building, on the roster, on the active roster. I think I count around 22, 23 new guys that weren't here last year. So this is Sean Payton's way. And uh, so far, he did take a promising step in the right direction in terms of hey, building this roster and maybe getting to where they want to be. Were you surprised that, uh, according to Sean Payton, his own self, the Broncos did not put in a claim on any player? Uh, not really, no. I, I think it had to be, you know, for, for us, we're, we're, we always speculate and try to figure out, okay, hey, what, what are they looking for? Who are they looking for? And apparently there wasn't anybody out there that really moved the needle for them that they felt like they couldn't just maybe try to bring onto the practice squad. So not necessarily shocked in a sense. And I mean, even a good portion of the Broncos that they had released, some guys haven't even been, weren't even, there was no claims that were submitted on them. So Denver's in a good spot here, I guess. The one spot in which, at least at the moment, it looks like they're not particularly good is wide receiver. Now I know they brought folks back on the practice squad. They added a couple of players that uh, Sean Payton either had coached before in little Jordan Humphrey and in players that Sean Payton was intrigued in before in Philip Dorsett. But as it stands today, the Broncos, if they played a game, have three wide receivers. That's going to change. Do you expect that we're talking about promotions from this practice squad, or do you think the Broncos have something larger in mind? I think mainly you're going to see, at least for the first couple of weeks, I think you're going to see practice squad game day elevations. I think little Jordan Humphrey is obviously going to be one of those. Very curious to see how Philip Dorsett and David Sills the fifth kind of factor into the equation here uh, for them, considering, you know, hey, Dorsett's got some speed to him. Sills has some size and athletic playmaking ability at six foot three, uh, stuff that, you know, I mean, John Payton values. But I, here's what I think we're going to see a lot of here to start the season. And, and Jerry Judy was on the side field here today for Denver doing some movement, some light movement. So that's obviously a good sign for him. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot of 12 and 13 personnel here against the Raiders. I, I think we're really going to see a lot of their base foundational stuff open up. If, Hey, we're going to run the football for doing it really well. We can do some really unique passing stuff out of it. And then we can mess with teams because then we could do different things when, you know, certain guys get healthy or depending on the matchup and, what they want to accomplish. I think that they have a lot of options right now on the table, but I, I would guarantee Broncos country should expect to see a lot of 12 and 13 personnel. And for those that are listening, that are like, what the heck is 12 and 13 personnel, 12 personnel, is one running back, two tight ends, 13 is one running back, 
three tight ends for those that may not know. So I think we're going to see a lot of that early on here to start the season. Yeah, it is interesting, though, that they go into the season with three running backs, at least as things stand now, three running backs and three wide receivers, as uh, Sean mentioned. Uh, uh, Mike McGlinchey said today, without qualification, Jaleel McLaughlin was the star of camp. Do you agree with him? Without qualification. He didn't say among undrafted free agents, among running backs, among offensive players. He said he was the star, and McGlinchey both participated and observed a lot in this training camp. And he he just said that straight out. And I I think he, he convinced me that Jaleel McLaughlin could have been in at least the camps of three quarters of the teams in the league, and he would have made those teams on merit. Yeah, I mean, I even remember watching this guy during OTAs, and I was like, oh my gosh, like he's just got this spring to him. He's got great vision. But then, I, you know, as, as Sean Payton had said too, one thing we all wanted to see okay, hey, when the pads come on, you're out here with other guys, at, you know, even some star guys, how do you look? What are you able to do? And obviously, Denver was able to go through, and he was able to go through and perform okay, how does he look in the preseason? And he looks every bit the part, everything that we've seen in practice. And, I mean, I believe McGlinchey when he said that, and he even said that he, several, he and several veteran players said that, yeah, this is, this is a kid that belongs, and, and he puts the work in. And obviously his work ethic, I don't know if many people know this, but Jaleel is always the first guy in the building. He All throughout OTA's uh, training camp, he was in the building. Sean Payton was getting at 5 a.m. Jaleel was already there, and he'd run the stairs around the facility. And so – this is just a guy who's just been so committed. I don't, and, you know, I think one thing, too, that I was really eager to find out a little bit more about is I, I never knew previously until I had a chance to actually get to speak with him when the media, I mean, uh, Bracco's PR allowed us to talk to him in a scrum. I never knew that he battled homelessness before. And, you know, there were times he said he'd go play a college football game and then not know where he's going to be or not know where he's going to get his next meal. Like, to me, this is a guy who's got really, really strong traits of high character great work ethic, great attitude, and obviously great production that you've seen on the field consistently in practice and in game situations. And I think that's what stands out to Sean Payton. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they didn't let him go because he would have more than likely been on somebody else's team. Well, let's build on that. If they are going to go with uh, heavy alignments and run, and I agree with you that they are, and now they have three running backs, how do you expect that they will y- use these carries for Javante Williams coming back from injury, Samaji P. Ryan added in free agency, and now Jaleel McLaughlin? Yeah, well, Sean Payton told us here today they haven't quite discussed maybe what that's going to look like for Javante for week one against the Raiders. Obviously, that game is coming up here relatively quickly in the next 10, 11 days. Um, so, Maje P. Ryan, obviously, I expect to get a, a good portion of carries to start the year. Um, and then I think you'll see uh, Jaleel sprinkled in there. I think there's going to be very sets. You know, we talked so much about that joker role, and we talked about Greg Dulcich. I don't think it's going to be Greg Dulcich. I think it has every opportunity here because of his skill set and what he brings to the table. I think we'll see Jaleel McLaughlin used in some key passing situations, but also he's not one of those guys that when you line him up out there, like, all right, hey, this guy, you know, you're passing because he's small and explosive. No, like he can run the ball in between the tackles really well. Absolutely. Too. So yeah. it, it, it makes it hard. It doesn't really tip your hand as a play caller. So, okay, based on personnel, here's what you're going to be doing. And that's, I think, one thing that really stands out about Jaleel is, you know, I think when Philip Lindsay was coming in games, everybody knew, okay, hey, you're going to run the ball here with Phil. You're not necessarily going to pass the ball. It's not like that here with uh, Jaleel McLaughlin. Are there any areas in which you think between now and opening day we'll see on the defensive side of the ball 
a significant change from the way the roster looks right now? Um, you know, I don't think we're going to see too much of a, of a big change. I know that the Broncos here in the next uh, 24 hours or so, we're expected to hear potentially that K1 Williams, right. um, right. Alex Pauczewski, and maybe it's either PJ Locke or Riley Moss as two potential other players who yes. could go on that short-term IR. Then you're going to see more than likely Mike Purcell brought back on the defensive line. You're going to see Fabian Moreau, the veteran cornerback hmm. brought back, but that okay. gives Denver eight corners and six or seven safeties. Like, it's, it's crazy the amount of guys that they have right now in the secondary. But um, they're really trying to divvy up, I think, a lot of things for special teams. They already know who their starters are going to be on offense and defense, and now it's just about assembling, okay, hey, these are guys that we know are going to be impact players for us on the special team side of the ball, which Sean Payton and Mike Westhoff, these guys value performance on that side of the ball as much as they do offense and defense, which I think is a good sign to see. Do you think – based on what you saw from him in the preseason, that Isang Bassey might well have beaten out, not for a roster spot, but for playing time, Kewan Williams. Uh, you know, it's tough to say. I mean, obviously this is, I believe, Kwan is in the last year of his deal here right. in Denver. Um, they believe he is going to come back. But from what I've been told is that it, when he does come back, he is going to step back into that starting role there, but that just means that Bassey, when they go dime, more than likely will be the other slot guy that they bring onto the field in that situation. But I, they're going to be very, very cautious and monitoring where K1 is at in terms of his progress with the ankle. Uh, you know, everything that he needs to do at his position involves planting, cutting, breaking, you know, making sure that his T step is on point. And if your ankle is not up to par, and obviously that's a little bit of an issue. So there's going to be some time. I'm not sure exactly how long it's going to be. There could even be a chance here, Sandy, where K1 is on short-term IR. They, they approach maybe the window where they need to figure out whether or not he's going to be ready or not. He still may end up missing the entire year if he can after yeah. the first time. So something definitely to keep an eye on. But Bassey definitely has earned his spot for where he's at right now. Well, and as we know, you, you take that – decision uh when it's no longer in your hands someone else may take that decision in their hands so bassie as long as he's on the field has an opportunity to make a bigger statement the broncos for the most part when we look at this 53-man roster i think we go all the way back to otas i talked about it earlier before we even had a preseason game i had 45 locks for that i said were locks for the roster 44 of them were accurate only kendall hinton was not the mystery around who was going to make this team are only in the very, very fringes and in depth. The starters have been clear for a while. Now that we're through the preseason process and training camp, are you more bullish or roughly the same about these Broncos starters coming into the regular season? I think I'm in a really good spot with them, to be honest with you. And, and I think the biggest thing is guys staying healthy is the biggest key. You, know, you lose Jerry Judy last week to the hamstring. That obviously impacts the optics a little bit. But when you get him back and if Javante is fully good to go and you know, can take on a little bit more of an increased workload in terms of carries and game status. I, I like where Denver is at. I think that what we're actually seeing, and I was talking with Troy Rank, our good friend here uh, today at practice. I just, I, with, with Sean Payton, I noticed so much more coaching going on. And, and so many, just him being hands-on with the offense, with the defense, with the whole operation. And when there's individual periods, he's going around to every single position and he's getting himself involved in there. We didn't see any of that last year. And I have a belief, too, especially talking to players, I think that's going to make a tremendous difference in these guys going out there, sticking together, even if they face some adversity. I think that they believe that they're in good hands here with Sean Payton. And, uh, 
you know, I think we'll find out here soon. And uh, I'm very excited to see maybe what the identity of this team is going to become. Did it surprise you that after a lousy opener against Arizona, Maher basically made everything he attempted, and yet Will Lutz, an old favorite of Peyton's, was acquired in a in a deal. I understand it's almost nothing. It's a what conditional seventh rounder, but were you surprised? Because I think even those of us who thought Maher was week to week thought he most likely would make week one. And it turns out he didn't even make week one. Yeah. You know, part of me was a little surprised. And I know anytime you include a uh, draft pick into, you know, trading for a player, especially a kicker, I know fans get really, really upset about that because they love their draft picks. Um, I I think for Denver and we got to hear from Will Lutz here today. I I think that, maybe a change of scenery will benefit him. But in terms of Brett Maher, you know, I was surprised because as you mentioned, he he was essentially perfect ever since, you know, he missed that first field goal. The second one was blocked. I don't necessarily hold that one against him, but he. Well, maybe they outlined. did though. <laughs> yeah. And and I think to be honest with you, it goes back to what Sean said all along when they had Elliot Fry and Maher in for yeah. competition said, Hey, you know, we got these two guys in here, but they may not be on the active right. roster. And sure right. enough, he was giving us he, a little he, bit of insight. So. He was he was speaking the truth definitely on yeah. that occasion. When uh, yeah. and we'll hear from Will Lutz in a, in a little bit after we hear from Cody Rourke, of course, our lead writer at Mile High Sports. Uh, now, of course, uh, the attention shifts. The the practice squad is what it is towards the Raiders. Uh, Mike McGlinchey talked ended up talking about it uh, a little bit and, and said that you know obviously that they're uh, they'll deal with that next week. But for the Broncos, uh, Sandy pointed out yesterday. There aren't any must-win openers, but for a schedule that is difficult and for a Broncos team that has a challenging climb in a loaded AFC and a loaded AFC West, they can't afford to come out of the gate slow because then they'll have to make this game up against somebody else that they're not expected to beat. Yeah, I mean, it's always tough when you open up with a, a conference game and also an in-division opponent. Because yeah, Denver, at home. Record has at been. home. Yeah, that's, you don't have a, a, a lot, lot to gain, and you have a lot to lose. Yeah, in a, well, you have more to lose than you have to gain. Yeah, on opening and day. I think you'll see it. You'll see it. Too, like if Denver loses, you'll, I think week one is always challenging, right? Because I think week one, you know, if you win, you never want to get too high on it. But if you lose, you never want to get too low on it. You got to kind of find the middle ground. But ideally, you put yourself in a hole early on, Sean, as you were mentioning that. Hey, you know, you're gonna have to make that up against somebody else, which. I think that's the beauty of football. That's what I certainly love about it. And ideally, yes, you want Denver to, to hold their ground and, and to win against the divisional rivals they haven't beat in several years now. You have to find a way to do that, get off to a strong start to the season because, hey, it does get challenging from about that week five through week nine before their bye week. Uh, and then obviously week 10 is when they open up after the bye week against the Buffalo Bills. And that's a tough stretch for them as well. The schedule isn't going to be easy, but we're going to learn a lot about this Broncos team here potentially in week one yeah the first quarter is the easiest quarter it would see <laughs> yeah. it would, i mean that can change always uh, and, and and miami's certainly a good team but three of the four games i i would expect the broncos to be favored to win las vegas washington and even at chicago although there are those who say that uh, chicago might even be more improved in the nfc than the broncos will be in the afc 
Yeah, they've they've made some moves there. They've given Justin Fields, I think, a really good wide receiver in, in DJ Moore. And we'll see if um He's really we'll see good. If that makes yeah. we'll see if that makes a little bit of a difference for them. I, like I said, that's the challenge. You're gonna find a way to contain a guy like Justin Fields in the run game, but you also have to account for his ability to throw it to some talented playmakers there. And uh Denver there like I said, it's not gonna be an easy start to the season, but I do expect this to be a much more competitive team. And I don't know what would hurt Broncos fans more. Like, hey, Denver's super competitive, but then they lose late or they're not – or, you know, they blow people out. That would be super exciting. Or if they're not competitive at all, I think that would be a huge thing for them. But I would be shocked if that's the case here for Denver this year. I don't think we're going to see a lot of what we saw last year. Um, and I'm very curious to see how Sean Payton navigates this whole entire thing. He is Cody Rourke. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. Cody Rourke NFL putting together his uh, Good Morning Broncos show on Miley Sports as well. Catch that on YouTube. Podcasts, uh, the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, Cody just doesn't seem to stop working. And now that we're through this part of it, it almost seems like the regular season is upon us. And it's a bit of a break. So uh, enjoy your weekend as much as possible. And thanks so much for spending some time with us. Thanks for having me, Jen. Appreciate you. All right, Cody Rourke joining us there. As I mentioned, Cody Rourke NFL is the uh, handle on Twitter. For the Denver Broncos, by the way, uh, the last two practice squad athletes, one of them I suggested earlier in the week, Dwayne Washington, uh, added late in the preseason, the running back, veteran running back, uh, brought back and added to the practice squad. And then uh, Lucas Kroll from the New Orleans Saints, who was on their practice squad in 2022, former Pitt product, uh, led all tight ends uh, in receiving in the preseason for whatever that is worth. But interesting, again, as you watch the trade of Alberto Kawebenam and then grab someone uh, off of another team's practice squad that the uh, that at least was the practice squad the year before, the Broncos definitely had different opinions on how they wanted to tackle the tight end position. But all of this means that a football is here. Why, why not bet? Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hands with the local book. That's Superbook Sports. This fall, Superbook Sports, is the book next door. It's a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day using the promo code MILEHIGH. So bet with the best and use promo code MILEHIGH this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Kareem Jackson had a chance to talk. We were talking about him a little bit about the defensive back situation. Lots of injuries there right now. Jackson gave an update on what he believes that means for that unit. We'll hear from him next on Miley Sports. Nothing left to say. Love will find us. The past behind us. Then we're on our way. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. No, Kareem Jackson's career did not start when this song was released, but it feels a bit like it. Kareem Jackson, 35 years old, in what is now his 14th NFL season at a... Uh, position that let's just say it's not a kicker uh he's a, he's a safety that brings a tremendous amount of uh of, of physicality to his game obviously the converted quarterback uh, converted to safety full-time 
with the Denver Broncos and the elder statesman of the defense had an opportunity to speak to the media today, started specifically with comments about the culture that Sean Payton has created around the Broncos. Camp was definitely different. Um, I mean, I've been a part of obviously 14 camps now. Um, this one would probably be the most unique one uh, just in terms of the schedule. I mean, but I mean, Sean Payton's uh, one of the, you know, uh, old school, one of the old school, you know, hitch in the mouth type of coaches. So, you know, his camps are going to be that type of way, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously coming from the, the Parcells tree, you know, but I mean, obviously me being around the league and, and seeing a lot of things and you know, obviously knowing about that. So I was kind of, you know, kind of looking forward to it. But at the same time, it's still, you know, something to get used to. It is his fifth season with the Denver Broncos now. And it, it, the follow-up question was the uh, the obvious one that was asked a little bit later, not directly, but then experiencing that camp. Do you believe this team is in a better position to start the season than camps you've been in before? Yeah, I think we're in a better position. Um, obviously, having these type of camps, once you get into this season, it's not very much that you haven't seen, you know, uh, that, you know, your coach hasn't put you through. Um, and as far as his coaching style, you know, um, very hands-on, you know, uh, get to situational peers and, you know, he's kind of talking all the guys through it and making sure everybody knows, you know, how we'll handle it in that that, that particular situation. So uh, definitely, you know, different in that, that aspect. More work on situational stuff. I, I think there's more validity to that claim than almost anything else uh, that's been said. Um, I, I, I was astonished at how little situational work there was uh, last year in camp. And that extended back to the Vic Fangio and Vance Joseph years uh, as well. There's clearly an emphasis on the part of the game that applies most easily to the game itself. And they sort of ignored that. Now, you know, you, you start the season and you lose games the way they lost a lot of games last year. And frankly, the first two preseason games this year, then people are going to wonder how much good did it really do? Did, did any, of it really stick? Does it make that much difference? But yes, much more business-like, less fun and frolic than there was last year when the emphasis seemed to be on fun and frolic. Right. Which not work is, I think it's easy to condemn in hindsight and i, I, I agree get that with there's that. an argument but, i agree with that but depending on where your organization is that's not always unhealthy the problem is it wasn't what the broncos needed the broncos exactly. needed, which was a point that was made right. last year by some of us during camp for uh, he kept saying well this is the way pretty much we did it in green bay and it's the way the los angeles green Rams bay do was it, and they won a super bowl year in and you're out winning an average of 13 right, games right, a year right but green <laughs> bay uh, up until last year had, I think, for the previous three years, been the winningest team they in were. All, all of pro football. And you're coming to a team that's known nothing but losing and has lost in almost every way conceivable and Hackett's obliviousness to that reality, I thought was the major feature of camp last year. 
it was like it wanted to go up and tap him on the shoulder and say, you're not in Green Bay That's anymore. That's one of the things that I think you're is... You're not is, in Green Bay. You're not even in Jacksonville circa 2017 Blake, when the Jaguars Blake, went to the AFC right. Championship game and were 10 minutes away from knocking off the Patriots, dethroning the Patriots as AFC champs. The thing that I think is interesting about watching Sean Payton in this environment is that his experience has allowed him to immediately walk in and tell the difference. He's not coaching this team or even running this organization the way he did with the Saints when they were at their apex. It's it's a very different manner. Now, does he have the same principles? Yes. Does he have the same way of doing things? Yes. However, it isn't as simple as this is exactly what I did when I had Drew Brees and our team was rolling and we were always in the mix for the Super Bowl. It's not quite the same. There are some alterations that an understanding that I have to get this team from the level it's at to that level before I can duplicate it. That's and that's something that only experience can there bring. There you go. That's the point. That's the advantage of having someone who's been a head coach before. There's a frame of reference, not as an assistant, not as a coordinator, but as someone who has been a head coach before that Vance Joseph did not have, that Vic Fangio did not have, that Nathaniel Hackett definitely did not have. And that Josh McDaniels did not have in 2009 when he came in here. Virtually no first-time coaches do. It's one of the reasons that second-time coaches around tend to succeed. Well, experience is also an advantage for players. And obviously it's worked for Kareem Jackson. But back in 2020, as an undrafted college free agent, the Broncos added Isang Bassey. Uh, They kept Bassey until he was waived at the end of the – it was in the 2021 season and near the end there. The Chargers scooped him up off waivers, and then they had him for just a couple months, in which the Broncos immediately scooped him back up at that point off of waivers. Bassey's experience now at the age of 25 and what he's had to do because he hasn't been able to cement a spot, according to Jackson, has made him a far better player. Oh, um, I think with him it's just – you know, obviously, year year in and year out. You know, just as a player, you just get more and more comfortable. You know, obviously, uh, with your ability and um, just being comfortable and being out in the field and uh, that point where you know it's just it's not very many offenses that he hasn't seen. But you know, he looks you know very comfortable. Uh, they moved him around a lot in camp. Uh, I think he might have been the only guy that probably playing three positions. So you know, having that type of versatility and you know just able to processing diagnose things from all three spots like that you know definitely help help him um but uh he's he's had a great camp and a great preseason yeah i trust cream jackson's judgment on matters another guy that's paused by the way played multiple positions right. in the defensive backfield exactly a long time quarterback exactly. before moving to so he knows of what he speaks and he knows of whom he speaks uh, because he really does look at his teammates in a very analytical way uh he's he's a he always fine has. leader yeah. but he's always had the ability to break down someone else's game. And I, I really trust his judgment uh, on that. And, you know, I, I think if McGlinchey and Kareem Jackson are uh, two of the lead veteran voices, uh, they're both thoughtful guys. And they're not, they're not just singing the same old tune of optimism for the sake of being a quote unquote positive guy in the room there, you know, it, 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 within re it, I'll tell you what, here's what they don't do. They don't insult your intelligence. Cheerleaders do insult your intelligence. Cheerleaders in our business, uh, cheerleaders, uh, on, on 
the football field. Uh, not literal paid cheerleaders, right. but well, guys who think their value as teammates is tied up in saying nice things right. all the time, even in the face of unmitigated disaster, which last year pretty much was. The point with Bassey, I think, is interesting because you, we talked about it. You, you and Cody went back and forth about it just a little bit ago, and I, I'm, I'm with Cody in that I don't believe that saying Bassey would have taken Kwan Williams' job if they were both healthy. However, since we're talking about a midseason return to K1 for Kwan Williams in his final year in his contract with the Broncos, I would not be surprised not if so saying sure Bassey over the next job. two months doesn't take it then i, I agree and i i because th- because the, the old chestnut you can't lose your job because of injury is well bull. That's, that's that's of course you can that's never been and you true. do and it happens dan all reeves the time used to say that and it wasn't true when dan reeves said it and that was more than 40 why we years still ago. know about not true 40 years ago so we still talk about wally pip with luke gehrig yes who was actually by the way a really good first baseman for the new york yankees wally but uh, pip guess was what good player the other thing the other really guy was player. better sorry and you gave him an opportunity to play and he took your job i mean they it didn't play all-star all games in the 1920s no that they started did not. in the 1930s but wally pip was a that very, caliber of player. very good first baseman he wasn't some guy in for a cup of coffee happened to get hurt and then garrick steps in the guy that they wanted to play all along garrick would have played eventually obviously but and Bassie uh, may when, too, but his injuries accelerate this process. But, but well, yes, and, and I I think with with football it's it's very different. And listen, Kwan Williams is a fine player. He is. He's an outstanding. He got an a two year deal here mm-hmm. for what peanuts, really? For what corners get peanuts? And so th- there's no real commitment. Uh, to him, uh, certainly not from Sean Payton. And again, that's the other he part was, of the equation. He was bought. He he was brought in more by George Payton, perhaps than anybody else. And George Payton isn't in charge now, right? On, on these kinds of personnel matters, he just isn't. I'm not saying he doesn't work at his job. That he isn't a good partner for Sean Payton, but it's Sean Payton's Broncos. And it was Sean Payton's team throughout the offseason, and now it is certainly Sean Payton's team as we approach the start. Kwan Williams makes $2.89 million this year in the final year of his contract. Uh, saying Bassey is at $1.01 million. Neither guy makes all that much, and Bassey is 25, if you believe that's exactly. the future may and be how, there. how old is Kwan Williams? Uh, Kwan Williams, I believe. Now he's not. He's certainly not Kareem Jackson's age. But uh, let's see. He's thirty-two. Yeah. So that's old. It would not shock me. I'm sorry. That's if, old. If by and the end of the the time Williams is back, if Bassey doesn't take his the job, Broncos are boasting, uh, and maybe boasting is too strong a term, but certainly on the various sites, it's being pointed out that based on the current roster, the average age is twenty-six point one years. Yeah, what's the average age of your starters? Key, uh, starters, I'm sorry. No, I mean, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm curious what the average age of the oh, starters yeah, yeah, are. Right, right, right. 26.1 years for the for the entire team. Yeah. But yes, it, I think your point is accurate. It, it, 26 at 25 or younger. But how many of those 26, 25 or younger are playing big roles other than Patrick Satan? Right. I'm not really sure of that. Greg Dulcich is under 25, and he just lost a job that yeah. – most of us thought it was being hit. it was all well, it was, it was all his going into camp and he lost it 
Yeah. And he lost it on merit. And I, I, I fear sometimes that when, when you say, well, Sean Payton had Adam Troutman, so Adam Troutman was destined to be the tight end, and he's uh, got an advantage over Greg Dulcich in that respect. And my response to that would be no. From what I saw in preseason, Troutman beat out Dulcich on merit. This is- and I'll tell you what, Manhurts may play ahead of Dulcich because Manhurts is a better blocker than Dulcich. And for that matter, I think a better blocker. This team than has Dulcich. to run the ball, and they're going to need to block. The uh, As of last night, uh, Philadelphia newspaper took uh, an opportunity at 9, 9 p.m. to look at all the, the rosters after the cuts were all made public. The Denver Broncos' average age of the roster, the roster, not, the, not projected starters, and obviously today it all shifted. Twenty six point two. Yeah, well that's yeah, that's about that's it. actually right. the twenty fourth oldest. The Saints at twenty seven point four are the oldest team in the league. The Jets at twenty seven. The Broncos at twenty fourth at twenty six point two, tied with the Falcons. The youngest, the Packers at twenty five. Even the Rams yeah. at twenty five point five, and get this. So they're 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 scary? more than a year older you than the scary? youngest team. Let me give you this: the Bengals twenty five point four. They're a Super Bowl contender now. Yeah, the Chargers, 25.5. The younger Chiefs, 25.5. team. What Dolphins, 25.7. Raiders may be older. Where are the Raiders? The Raiders are one of the few teams that's older. 26.6, yeah. they're 29. Well, okay, but, but that's four-tenths of a year on average per player, right? So uh, that that's why I say uh, the other day, one of the three big myths about the Broncos, they're a young team. Not no, young. not particularly. No, they're they're in the they're actually in the older third of the league. Yeah, on average. That's right. And uh, so yeah, that's that's the idea of like, oh look, they're young and up and coming. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. And that's it, it, you know, it's part of the problem. And the funny that's thing right. is, Sandy, it's not. I, it's nothing against Kwan Williams who had a good year last year. Look at the players but, but they brought back. He's thirty-two years old, and you had Bassey, and I know it's the preseason, and I know he wasn't always out there against top-flight competition, but he had. He made plays. And, again, on a good team, you'd, you'd shrug and say, well, we have a lot of guys who make plays on both sides of the ball. On this team, apart from Justin Simmons, who makes big plays on offense or defense? Now, Satan has an explanation, probably, that's fairly valid that people don't throw at him that much, especially during the first half of last year. Simmons is the only guy. There's no big-time sack guy on this team right now, uh, in part because the, some of the better sack people they have are hurt or always have had a tendency to get hurt and miss games. The ability to make plays that change games, that affect games, is a very big deal in the NFL today because everybody gives up points and yards. And defensively, that's if, if you can limit that, if you're upper third and fewest points given up and you're upper third and yards given up, that's great. But tell me where you are in takeaways. And the Broncos at no point have done what the 15 and 16 teams did and that's take the ball away a lot. That's why I say they're not a great defense. And on offense, wow, with Judy out, and I I don't know that Javante Williams 
has yet even healthy established himself as a game breaker. I, you're looking around, where are the playmakers? And Dulcich was thought to be a guy as a tight end who, against defenders, he could dominate, even mm-hmm. even with it, with his speed, that he could be a deep threat. He could be a guy who averages as a tight end 12, 13 yards of reception, which is damn good. But he's been invisible in this camp. So it's their playmaking capacity and the fact that this isn't one of those wait till next year they'll be a year older. That's that's a problem yeah. that they'll be a year older. When you're talking about a team whose average age is 25, like the Packers, this is a rebuilding slash transition year for the Packers. Well, it is for the Broncos, too. They just I know, but they can't say that right. when they well, had six losing season. They do. I do think they do realize it, but they can't say it. They Keep in mind, too, it. on the practice squad, you had a Philip Dorsett who was drafted the same year as Justin Simmons. Uh, little Jordan Humphreys, <laughs> a, right. a, uh, right. a veteran. Uh, you talk about guys like David Sills, at wide receiver, a veteran. Dwayne Washington has bounced around a veteran at 27 right. years old. Right. They're not making this team any younger. No, they're not. And by not. the way, you talk about no, that outside spot. Brandon Johnson has a career total of 42 receiving yards, yeah. and Marvin Mims is a rookie. That's right, who hasn't caught a pass yet in the NFL. Well, in a game that counts. If you don't think your offense can get deep into the opponent's zone, it's pretty good to have a kicker. The Broncos made a trade for one. Uh, Will Lutz had some interesting things to say today, actually, and we want to get make sure we get to him. So we'll do that next on Miley Sports. This is sure a mess. There's no way I say no when she says yes, yes, yes. Take me, shake me, and tell me this ain't a dream. This is Sandy Clough. And Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Maybe the biggest news for the Broncos on cutdown day, of course, was the trade for Will. That's one L, by the way. Will Lutz, the kicker formerly of the Saints. Another one of uh, Sean Payton's guys, per se. And uh, a little surprising, although three different kickers were dealt within the, uh, the hours there. But Will Lutz had some pretty candid discussions today with the media. I thought it was kind of open. Remember, this is a guy that um, had his debut season uh, along at the same 2016, same as Justin Simmons, and has had some success, but also has had some injuries, missed an entire year. And then uh, the the COVID year made things a little bit weird as well. And then ended up being beaten out uh, in this case, uh, to which Lutz admitted was beaten out for the job. But the comments I thought were fascinating. When you're talking about a kicker, we know that a lot of it with kickers is between the ears. That's the reality of it. Lutz was first asked about the idea of being back with Sean Payton and how Sean Payton's leadership has made him a better performer. Look, coaches, he's he tries to get the best out of everyone. And I truly feel like my best years were with him because I was kind of scared to let him down. And I think that's, you know, that's how a leader is, right? Um, but look, he's a proven winner. He's won a Super Bowl. We down in New Orleans, we should have had another one, but we won't approach that situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a leader. He's an offensive guru. Um, guys want to win for him. And um, I think you guys have probably seen that out here throughout training camp. So I'm excited to be back here um, playing under and, and we'll go to work. Coming off the, the injury he had, 
2020 and then had and regressed in 2022. There's no way around it. He had a bad year and we we've given you the statistics of it uh, worse in, in virtually every manner of accuracy than not only Brett Maher, but Brandon McManus, who the Broncos immediately disposed of as well. When Peyton came to town, although the circumstances surrounding that are uh, maybe there's a, some politics involved in that, that happens usually when new coaches come in with union reps, but it seemed at least on the surface, if you look at 2022, that Lutzu otherwise is a talented kicker with a big leg. Seemed to be an odd choice. He spoke where I thought rather candidly about the last couple of seasons and how they've impacted his career. Yeah, that was tough. Um, I was a guy who's never had surgery in my life, and I went to two and three month span. So, you know, mentally more than anything, it was the hardest thing I've gone through, you know, missing a year and, you know, we had one surgery, thought I was coming back, and the next thing you know, it turns out I'm having a second one. So, you know, the hardest thing is watching someone else do your job. And, um, you know, that was difficult. I wanted to play. I wanted to be out there. Um, but, look, 2022, 20, no excuses. I didn't have a good year. And that's just, you know, that's all on me. It was mentally, I didn't feel like I was in the right space. Kind of felt like a rookie again um, after missing a year. And, if, you know, I didn't play in front of fans in 2021 because of COVID. And then, 2020, no, I'm sorry, 2020, no fans. 2021, I didn't play. And so 2022, week one, was my first time in front of fans in a year, in two years. So it was very eye-opening. Um, I didn't handle it the right way. And so, um, you know, I really spent the offseason working on my mentals and kind of getting back to where I was before that. And he was in the Pro Bowl in 2019. Right. I, I thought that was a, a, a rather open, mm-hmm. candid a response didn't between handle this. it well. He's, and and, and yeah. uh, he took some time. We're not going to play it here because he had a rather lengthy interview, but took some time to congratulate the person who beat him in New Orleans. Uh, took some time to uh, wish Brett Maher the best, said they, they, they know each other, they're friends, pointed out that Maher did sign with the Rams, which he did, and wishes uh, him the very best with the Rams. But also the idea, you're right, you know, you're talking about a kicker, that, that before all this, and he just explains what really happened in the last few years and pointed out that 2022, he just wasn't right. His head wasn't right. But the last time it was, as you pointed out, he was a pro bowl. The concern about joining a team late sometimes, for certain positions, it matters. For kickers, it may matter, too. You need to get in sync with your holder and in sync with your long snapper. On the bright side, when he was asked about that, the holder part is actually already handled. Yeah, look, it takes a little bit. Um, you know, fortunately, we have you know, 10 days to the first game or whatever it is. So the good news is I've worked with Riley before. We trained with the same guys. Um, so first time working with Mitch, but we'll get squared away. And I thought today was a great step in the right direction. Uh, he joked that, you know, he came in on uh, and, and started kicking today. He just got into town and they said, hey, you're up there, get kicking. So uh, sure. he, he did and get those reps in. But uh, good that he's already worked with, with Dixon. That helps uh, quite a bit, actually. You know, the, the long snapper's part of it, too. But the connection is between the snapper and Dixon. And if Dixon and Lutz are already on the same page, that, or at least ha- somewhat similarly, and can speed that up, that will help. The other dif- difference, of course, is kicking outdoors. Famously, of course, New Orleans has a dome. And yes. adjusting to Denver's elevation. Interestingly, and I think quite frankly, correctly, Lutz indicated the adjustment to elevation is not to adjust. Yeah, I mean, the one time we played here, y'all didn't have a quarterback. Or we now, I guess, right? I got to get used to saying that, but... So that was an interesting experience, but, um, you know, it's, I don't really think about the altitude when I, when, when I'm kicking, but obviously I can feel that there's a difference. Um, 
But, you know, it's nothing that makes me adjust anything. You know, I'm not playing the altitude like you would have win. Um, just come up here and kick my A-ball and let the altitude do its thing. <laughs> I Definitely those half-gassers at the end of practice were tough, though. I'm used to below sea level, so. <laughs> well, he's, he's got, got a little shot to him. And I love the, the correct point. Below sea level, yeah. which is correct, by the way, yeah. uh, where where the, the Orleans Saints play is actually technically below sea level, in case That's you're not part of the problem. weirded <laughs> out when you go to New Orleans anyway. But the uh, uh, also, you know, pretty good joke at the Broncos' expense because that was the game and last time he played that they did not have a quarterback thanks to them all getting suspended. And, uh, couldn't congratulate Kendall Hinton or Philip Lindsay, the two guys that were there, because they're not here anymore either. But Will Lutz is, and I, I feel very different about that trade. I mean, it, it didn't matter. I get it. You had you, had, you scoffed weeks ago. You had you had flawed kickers in Mar and and even conceivably in Lutz. But I I guess I have more confidence that Lutz's bad year may have been an anomaly than I do in Mar's potential yips. And maybe that's unfair to Mar, who has been perfect since that first preseason game, including yeah. seven then, for seven in but kick attempts. see, you, you only get a single chance to make a first impression, and the first impression he made in an organized game was not a good one. And they didn't forget. Now, you know, Cody said, perhaps accurately, the block wasn't necessarily... Completely yeah, I don't believe him. Totally it was. might have been a blocking breakdown, at least in part. But that's not how the coaches view it. And maybe the coaches all over the NFL and in all, all over football should be a little more sophisticated when it comes to kicking and break down why kicks are missed. And if they're blocked, is it really the fault of the kicker? Is it the holder? Is it the snapper? Is it a missed assignment? And they should talk about it that and not just assume that every kick that is unsuccessful blocked or otherwise is the fault of the kicker Uh, all that aside all he did in the first game was remind these coaches of what he was like in the playoffs last year and yes he, he was fine on every kick after that but I think there was only one field goal that he made that was longer than 50. Mm-hmm. The others that he made were, were from distances. Yeah. That NFL You're supposed to make them to all the time, right. pretty right. much all exactly. the time. From 40, I would even say 45 yards in. You're expected to make just about every one, and if you're at 80% or lower, that's not nearly good enough. That's not nearly good enough um, uh, on uh, on on the ones inside forty five yards, and now what was I looking at uh, with him? But the Broncos yeah. today or yesterday that I was looking at it, where he uh, was. Can't find it here, but but he was uh, all all four kicks uh, that he missed in the year he went sixteen. Uh, oh yeah, uh, in, in the Pro Bowl year, thirty-two out of thirty-six field goals, sixteen twenty from forty on on out, which is 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 okay. But I'd, I'd well, want to see it broken to down even even more because forty-five 
and out, 16 for 20 is, is fine, but you cannot miss. And last year he missed a few from inside 45. And it has to do with the coach's confidence level. The Broncos did add their final two members of the practice squad, as, as mentioned before, it is 17 because they did keep an international prospect. Uh, not surprisingly, Sean Payton guys. Uh, Dwayne Washington, as I suspected, would come back. Washington, of course, played for uh, Payton in New Orleans, the running back slash special teamer. And then the final one, congratulations, by the way, to former Air Force Falcon. We'll talk about a little bit of them tomorrow, too. Jordan Jackson joining uh, on the Saints practice squad last year. So, again, uh, Sean Payton continue to bringing in Sean Payton guys as the transformation of the Denver Broncos gets closer and closer to being complete. Well, we will talk to you tomorrow from beautiful downtown Florida. You will. That's right. Uh, so Sandy is off to uh, Texas, where you right. will, of course, uh, enjoy a couple days away, except for when we pester you to talk to you tomorrow and uh, enjoy the Buffaloes TCU game on Saturday. So we will be back tomorrow, uh, Sandy, at least uh, on the phone. Thanks to Danny Bailey for putting everything together, both uh, everything you see and everything you hear. And yes, I said everything you see. You can go to mylifesports.com or Get the free Miley Sports app. Thanks to Cody Rourke. That's where you can get all Cody stuff, too, right on the app. That's why it's the easiest way to get things done. Safe travels to Sandy. For Sandy, I'm Sean. We'll be back tomorrow, but keep it right here on Miley Sports. <laughs>